Welcome back to the Fireman Trainers Podcast, Season 3, Episode 10, published on May 9th, 2022. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Our guest today is Steve Moses from Palisades Training Group. We'll be talking about social skills and de-escalation. Our podcast is part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, where you can get the original Concealed Carry podcast, the Not Your Average Gun Girl podcast, and the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast. Some great listening there for you while you're driving or in the evenings or whenever you have time to listen to them. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. If you're a certified instructor, then you've taken the first step. Now you need to go along and apply for FTA coverage. Receive a special 10% on, on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by NAG Tactical. As instructors, our students are always asking us what gear we use. I always tell them I use NAG Tactical. Do you know that NAG Tactical offers several designs, each with extreme comfort for all-day carry? The Revenant and Professional Holsters have a patented tuckable design, adjustable cant, and secure twist release. My personal favorite is the KO-1. It is an all-kydex appendix holster that I can carry all day in comfort. All of NAG's holsters come with a two-week try guarantee and a lifetime warranty even on the clip. Remember to check out their Flex Mag Carrier also. It has a three-layer comfort backer and will accommodate several sizes of the magazines. Shop at n8tactical.com to find your next holster. That's the letter N, the number eight, tactical.com. A quick reminder to enter in our weekly prize giveaway at podcast.concealedcarry.com. Entries do not carry over from week to week. This week's winner is Richard R., and they want a ready-up gear, 16340 set of batteries. Next week is a SWAT T tourniquet from Mountain Man Medical. So, Richard, watch your email for an email from concealedcarry.com. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Steve Moses from Palisades Training Group. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for t- taking your time uh, with our audience. Good evening, Rob. I'm very glad to be here. For those uh, that are listening that haven't listened to episode uh, 69 before from season one, can you give our listeners a little bit of your background, Steve? Well, uh, I've been a defensive firearms trainer uh, for almost 30 years. Uh, Actually, I started in 1994. Uh, Since that time, I've probably taken hundreds of uh, weapon and tactics courses uh, just because I, for whatever reason, I'm driven to it. I find it quite fascinating. I am a a former uh, deputy constable. I was on our special response team uh, for nearly 10 years. I'm a range master certified uh, master instructor, master firearms instructor and shotgun instructor. Um, I'm licensed in the state of Texas as a personal protection officer instructor in Texas in order to do executive protection. You have to be licensed as a level four personal protection officer. And actually, uh, I have a you know license to do both that and uh, and, and teach those courses. Uh, right now, I am a content contributor for CCW Safe as well as the Farm Trainers Association, and I'm also the uh, customer support uh, one of the, the main customer support persons that handles uh, you know calls. Uh, and produces certificates and just kind of helps out uh, members of the Farm Trainers Association. So I'm someone that's been around for a, for a long time, and I've had a pretty good run, and I'm really pleased to be on your show tonight. 
Well, we're glad to have you on it because you brought up your content contributor for the Fireman Trainers Association, and you had a really interesting article recently uh, talking about social skills. And you know, a lot a lot of people out there might think about you know please and thank you and you know how to be polite, but you took it in a completely different direction when it comes to personal safety. And I thought it'd be really good for you to talk about that tonight because it's a it's a skill that we don't talk about very much and and something that we probably should be talking more about you want to give us a kind of a quick overview about what what you uh you know are talking about when it comes to social skills well social skills are just basically it's just it's just verbal and nonverbal communication between two human beings uh by way of education i uh, studied uh, speech consultancy at oklahoma state university i have a degree in communications uh, i spent 41 years in the oil and gas business as a uh, contract negotiator and uh, title analyst. And as such, I saw how much of our lives revolved around being able to interact with other persons and ultimately to do so in such a way that it's a positive outcome for everyone. And when you think about that, uh, most criminal attacks not all, but most criminal attacks, there is uh, some sort of social element between the two parties. Uh, one party is definitely communicating, you know, perhaps verbally and non-verbally uh, their intent. And the other person is responding and reacting and giving back information. And so it kind of dawned on me that when I've taken all these classes, especially on tactics, you know, studied a lot under uh, Craig Douglas, you know, with his uh, managing unknown contacts is just how important communication skills are and, you know, how we can use them uh, perhaps in order to keep us out of uh, arguments or confrontations, or if we're engaged in one, how to disengage in such a manner that perhaps we can deescalate the situation, uh, disengage, or if necessary, communicate to that other person that, hey, I will fight back. And matter of fact, I'm very capable of fighting back effectively. If you think about it, and you know, we have a lot of social interactions throughout our every day. And from those interactions, we determine you know, whether our kids are behaving themselves or not, whether our spouse is upset with us um, without even, you know, saying they are, or if our boss is, you know, having a bad day at work, all those types of things. And we can extend those skills onto the streets too, to where if we're not projecting a confident uh, persona, we, bec we become a target very easily for it. And at the same time, you were talking about if we go along and project a very positive target to where we're able and willing to defend ourselves and, you know, make that, make the other person pay if they're going to, you know, attack us. It's a, a great deterrent to, uh, to, to having those confrontations. Well, one of the things that I have observed over the years, Rob, is I'm sure you would probably agree is that the world is not nearly as polite a place as it was perhaps 20 and 30 years ago. And people are so much more willing to come up and engage others uh, confrontationally. Uh, I think you might call it trash talking, threatening, uh, posturing. Uh, that's something that you know seems to be kind of a, a kind of a thing. 
And one of the things that I noticed, especially in early 2020 and even on into 2021, was that we were seeing people engage uh, with people that they didn't even know, maybe perhaps for nothing more than just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the persons that were being encroached upon, they had no idea what to do. Or you would see these instances where two people would start trash talking, they would start arguing, and either both of them would cause the situation to escalate, or perhaps one would just stand there and just, you know, basically, I'll just use the word freeze, uh, listen to respectfully, uh, refuse, re absolutely refuse to engage with the other person, and yet the other person would go ahead and engage with them anyway. You know, basically that one party, party A, was trying to goad party B into a fight. Party B would not, you know, comply. And they went ahead and they attacked them anyway. And I thought, you know, I think this is something that we probably need to bring to the attention of our students. Uh, this is something that indeed can occur. I haven't seen a lot of other trainers addressing this right now. Hopefully there are because there's a lot of trainers out there that are smarter and more experienced than me that would actually probably put out some information that I would learn from. But maybe it would be a good idea to start talking to our students how they might handle these situations so that A, maybe it doesn't escalate into a fight. B, they're able to disengage or C, if they are attacked, Everything they've done up to then will basically look good when, you know, the fight's over and the police show up. Because one of the things that we really want to do is we want to avoid, if possible, going to jail. Uh, if we are jailed, we want to, you know, avoid being, you know, charged. And if we're charged, uh, we definitely don't want to be, you know, found guilty and in prison. And so I'm thinking, ah, we need to kind of consider these things. And so let's look at all these different steps and see what we can do to perhaps improve our position so that, hey, we can, you know, probably go home every night. And definitely. Because, uh, you know, when you think about reacting, you know, there's, we talk about somebody being very cheap, sheepish and attracting, you know, maybe uh, somebody to attack because they, they view them as being weak um, and helpless, but it can also go the other way too, that if we have, especially guys too much bravado to where, Hey, I'm walking down the street and I got, you know, gold chains on my neck, you know, just try to take it away from me. We can invite an attack along those lines also. And that's where, you know, having the good social skills to know how to weave, weave the social environment, not to attract the attention of either that we've got something people want or being somebody that looks like we're weak is, um, you know, it, it's a skill that we've got, we've got to work on. And if some, we get tested by somebody on the street, you know, that's another one of those things that we've got to be prepared to do because sometimes people just won't visually, but they'll come up and talk to you as a way of testing you and seeing whether or not you're somebody they, they want to mess with. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had people throw a shoulder into me. I've had people, you know, give me, you know, what I guess you'd call the hairy eyeball. I mean, I've had all sorts of things and it's just like, you know, I'm just I'm not going to I'm not going to engage you. I'm not going to respond to it. And uh, in most of those instances, you know, the person just kind of stood there disappointed or what I would try to do most of the time is, you know, not stay there. OK, you did that. I'm fine. I didn't die. I'm leaving. 
and just exit the area. And that's very difficult for people to do, especially, you know, when you're men, you feel like you're, you know, they, they, they've insulted your very nature. They've, they've insulted you in front of others. You know, the, the, the tendency, the urge to respond back. And I still have to fight that down. I mean, it's there, but sometimes it's very much in our best interest to just go, you know, sorry, dude. And then just walk on. Mm-hmm. Especially when you think about it from a defensibility standpoint, if that would escalate and you'd already apologize, you'd already start making distance. You know, you've broken contact, as they say, that looks a lot better than if you're the person there starting screaming insults at them. And then all of a sudden it, it escalates. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I just think there's nothing to be gained by standing in place and, you know, exchanging heated words. And I'm now kind of of the opinion that there's actually nothing uh, to be gained, perhaps by just standing there and politely listening, you know, hoping this person will finally, you know, okay, realize that you're, hey, you're a good guy. You didn't mean anything by it uh, and just leave you alone. I mean, I've just seen too many instances where people that behaved exactly like that were still, they were attacked. And in many instances, it wasn't just by one person. It was by multiple individuals. So, you know, you and I, we're kind of back into the day where we were raised on Westerns and everything was man on man. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, if two guys jumped you, that was cowardly. And everyone that was around them would think poorly of them. Uh, It is just not that way anymore. And there's videos out there of, uh, you know, young men, you know, two, three, four, five assaulting a person. Another one of them is videoing and they're laughing and then walking off and giving each other high fives. And so it's kind of like William April said, you know, you really don't have to understand, you know, how those people tick and why exactly it is they do what they do. We just have to understand that there's people out there that will do that and be prepared for them. Yeah, the big shocker this week for me in the news was here in Cincinnati, we have a uh, 16-year-old that is behind uh, bars right now for the murder of three people. And it's he killed these three people when he was 15 over a two-month period. And so far, they really have, have the police have not, as I understand, been identify a you know what the reason was. It wasn't that it was gang-related. You know, the, the ages were all over the place. It wasn't that it was drug-related. Um, it wasn't, you know, anything besides this 15-year-old at the time went out and wanted to, you know, confront somebody and shoot them. And those are, those are the type of situations that we've got to be prepared for that it's not worth, um, quote unquote, staying your ground. At that point, if you can break contact and move on and not have a confrontation, then that's good because there's three people that, you know, are not seeing tomorrow because of, you know, this 15 year old that had, you know, a very, very, you know, bad, uh, bad attitude. Had a bad attitude. Uh, they'd been raised improperly. Uh, perhaps they'd been raised in an environment that was very violent uh, and where people that were violent were respected. Uh, they don't see a problem with being incarcerated. Matter of fact, you know, that's kind of go there, go there and that's where you get creds. Uh, they just absolutely do not look at things the same way that, you know, we look at things. I mean, 
they in any many instances from what i understand is they just have no concept of the future or the consequences of mm -hmm. their action they're living in the present and uh, that makes for very dangerous persons i had a real interesting interview with uh, ccw safes uh, rob high uh, regarding a comment that he made about basically the younger brothers of uh, gangbangers uh, that would, you would sometimes see these young people that would hang out with their brothers. And we're talking young, I'm, we're talking like, you know, ages nine to 13 or 14. And they're hanging around these guys and they're seeing all this violence. In some instances, uh, their brothers uh, are having them carry the guns for them because they get caught with a gun, you know, since they're, you know, juvenile, yeah. maybe even a preteen consequences and they just you know their their brains aren't fully formed they don't understand the consequences of their action and they've seen a lot of violence and they see what violence does for them in terms of respect and just how dangerous you know those those those, those children can be and you know then when you hear that you know the police or someone else shot you know a teenager you know everyone is just horrified and in many instances, that teenager or that preteen is more dangerous than an older person because they just have no concept of the consequences of their actions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those are the people that, you know, if they're not incarcerated or on the street, we could potentially walk, you know, up to them, have some interaction with them and be in polite, um, breaking contact when there's nothing more to gain buy it and moving on is probably in our best interest, even though some places, you know, that might be considered rude because, you know, we didn't finish the conversation, but if our object is to go, go home at the end of the day and see our family, then, um, let it be rude and, and move on. At least you didn't get into a violent confrontation. Well, one of the good things too, about moving immediately and creating distance is that for that person, more than likely to, you know, accomplish a, a violent act against you, they're going to have to move in on you. And if you move away and you're trying to create distance and they are trying to cut you off, and if you speed up your pace a little bit and they speed up their pace, well, then now, you know, that's very much a clue. And I think it puts us in a position where we can deal with that situation a little bit more effectively. And by that, I mean, you know, it could be, um, you know, a big part of it is just going to be verbalizing to them at that time. Hey, do you mind staying back? And then, you know, escalating from there, you need to stay back. And then finally stay back, you know, I mean, yelled at a very high volume. And if that continues, to have no effect, well, then maybe then it's time to go to skills and tools and skills and tools are going to be, you know, dependent upon the situation and the, 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 the perceived threat. I mean, we've got a lot of options, you know, uh, we've got uh, OC. I, I think everyone needs to carry OC. I think they need training and how to use it. Uh, it can be very effective in certain situations. And then, you know, for the most part, we are talking about uh, people that own firearms. And so is there a way that I can use that firearm in such a way that if I think all of the elements that are there is like, okay, does this person have the ability, the opportunity 
and the intent to hurt me? And are there any other options? And obviously I'm trying to retreat and this person is trying to cut me off. Okay. Uh, I can probably go to some sort of force level mm-hmm. and that force level can be anything from OC. If I think that person is, you know, capable of injuring me, you know, all the way to uh, defensively and lawfully displaying a gun to basically using a gun. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think is real important for farm trainers to drive home to their students is that that old saying that don't pull a gun if you don't intend to use it does not necessarily mean that you have to shoot them. You do not want to pull a gun, in my opinion, unless it is a shooting situation. But if you do this effectively enough and with enough distance, there's a high probability that that person may react and then you basically can go back down the force level. And hopefully that action is, is that, hey, that they back off uh, or they run off. And, you know, I haven't read one of those. Uh, I haven't read the NRA magazine for a while, but I remember in the Armed Citizen, you know, you could just read that. And it was interesting in how many of those defensive uh, situations that they described uh, in which no shots were fired. It was just simply the production of a defensive handgun at the right time, basically, you know, resulted in what Claude Warner would say, a positive outcome. Exactly. And, you know, we stripped away the ambiguity, as you were talking about with speeding up and, you know, uh, confronting them, you know, with a loud, you know, forceful voice. And then, you know, we've got a very good articulable, uh, story that we can give the police when they come, cause they will come if, you know, we're displaying a firearm and, you know, whatever level of force uh, we've used, uh, appropriately, we can justify it because we've gone through and, you know, it stripped away the ambiguity. It wasn't somebody who was trying to sell us, uh, you know, raffle tickets, you know, walking up behind us. It was somebody who wouldn't stop that sped up that, you know, kept pace with us and we're able to go along and articulate that and be able to go along and justify our actions. So that's, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think all of that is uh, very important. And uh, in our classes, we teach a block on that. So it's, it's a little bit more than just theory. We say, okay, we're going to do some hands-on uh, exercises in which we do this in two ways. We'll go ahead and do it where the unknown contact is moving up and they're using perhaps ruse. You know, maybe it's legit. Maybe they just need money, but they're perhaps using ruse in order to gain compliance. We completely follow the, uh, the Craig Douglas uh, model of managing unknown contacts, which is, and these are my words, not his, but basically having a script in place which is maybe, hey, can you stay back? Or what I've used, you know, so many times, especially when I lived down in East Dallas and we, my wife and I, for two years, we lived down in East Dallas in an area that was a high crime area. And uh, there were a lot of homeless persons out there and panhandlers and such was just, sorry, can't help you. And then if it continues and I'm continuing to move, it's you need to stay back. And then finally, it would stay back in most instances when I would say something no more than you need to stay back. And about that time, that was more than enough to, you know, cause that person to just go ahead and um, back off. But, you know, and then the whole time, you know, you're moving in an arc or in such a manner 
that you're not just standing in place. That is, you're not just backing off because backing off is bad uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you may trip over something, but more importantly, a lot of these robberies involve two people where basically you become sandwiched mm -hmm. between a person that's trying to fix you in place and another person that comes around from behind you. And the person that comes around from behind you is actually the one that sticks the gun in your back. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great method. And then, like I said, you know, I saw it in uh, 2020 where people were just being accosted. You could just see them moving in on these people. And, you know, the other person, there was no interaction. Rob. I mean, they weren't asking for anything. They weren't trying to use ruse. They were just moving in and they were moving in fast. And the other persons, they simply just did not know what to do. Well, then as we accelerate that movement and we basically do the same thing. You know, you need to stay back all the way to stay back. And then from there, uh, we're going to have to choose the uh, correct tactics and techniques, you know, to deal with the situation contingent upon who we're dealing with. And the reason I kind of say that in such an open ended way is it's entirely possible that, you know, it may be some, you know, girl with a, you know, uh, a wool cap with, you know, who is uh, protesting something that just wants to yell at you, you know, and spit at you. Well, we're not going to use or I'm not going to use physical force on somebody like that. So I, I can't say there's not a one size fits all. It may just be something like, hey, you know, you need to stay back and I will. I'll OC you before I'll let you touch me. Mm -hmm. But if it's a group of individuals and I'm like going, OK, they've got what it takes to pull me down and, um, you know, take my life. Well, I'm probably going to have to respond with more force and more force does not necessarily mean deadly force, but it could. And, ha and having the options uh, give, gives you, you know, if you go along and pepper spray somebody, OC, um, you know, that's better than going along and, you know, only having, you know, one, one tool on your belt at the time. You know, it takes a little bit to get trained, but at the same time, uh, having multiple tools give you the ability to utilize those appropriately. Well, it's such a good tool, and I really would um, – you know, suggest to other farm trainers that if they haven't uh, taken Chuck Haggard's uh, less lethal OC instructor course, uh, man, that is some of the the time and money that's that's some of the some of that's the best spent time and money that I've done for some time. And it's plus Chuck's a good doc, a good guy. It's a very in depth course, and you come away with a lot of knowledge. But what is cool, at least for me is it's when I, in a class where I'm teaching OC skills, uh, it's like, okay, I'm not going to tell you how an internal combustion engine works. I'm not going to go into, you know, how, you know, power is transferred to the axles, to the wheels, et cetera. I'm just going to show you how to drive the car. It's relatively easy to show someone how to use OC. And uh, some of the modern OCs we have, and uh, the model I prefer just simply because uh, I think it's called Palm and, you know, there's, there's just the Palm stream. And I think, uh, golly, there's, I think Sabre has a model that's similar, but Palm is mm -hmm. the one I prefer. And it reminds me very much. It's like squirting a, a, a water pistol. 
you know, it is a stream. You don't have all those little droplets that are going out. When I talk uh, to students in our church security instructor class, and I talk about using OC, all of the students that were our law enforcement or former law enforcement say, I would never use it in a church. Well, then you press them on that a little bit. And what you find out is that, and it was, I was, you know, issued the same thing. They use kind of an aerosol spray aerosol. Yeah. Put droplets everywhere. And then if you didn't get back sprayed, you then had to go put hands, you know, on the suspect, which means that you got contaminated. And uh, we don't have to do that. We just use that to break contact and get away. And you can use it relatively surgical. And by that, it means there's not a lot of overspray that's going to necessarily hit other people. Yeah, or get in the air conditioning system or uh, other other. Un, undesirable things like that, because if you're, you know, in a church and you don't know what everybody's medical condition is, you could have some, you know, some elderly people there that have you know, breathing problems or other people that have asthma and the aerosols could get, give them some problems, but the streams will give you to, the ability to, you know, hit them, hit them above the eyes. Um, I'll refer people to Chuck Haggard's episode on season two, episode 12, uh, where he goes along and talks about how to properly use it and also recommend that you go out and get trained uh, officially, uh, from somebody to know how to use the OC spray and what the different options are, because, uh, not all OC sprays are equal. Um, you know, some people spend exactly. more in advertising than other uh, groups do, and they make it sound like theirs is the end all be all and the gas station, uh, models are not always the uh, best either. So, you know, it's no, another opportunity for good training. The other thing, Rob, is that uh, most of the time where OC is actually applicable in a church situation is during what we call the assertive interview. And that's when the uh, church security team or perhaps a visitor or a parking lot has identified a, a, you know, a person of questionable intent. And in most of those instances, that's a two man interview and it takes a in place, a, not inside the church body itself. Mm-hmm. So w- they always think, oh, yeah, I'm not going to spray somebody during the church service. Well, we're not saying you would necessarily spray them either, but there's plenty of times where OC may be applicable. And it's going to, if, if the church security team does their job properly, it's not going to take place inside the uh, sanctuary anyway. Exactly. Exactly. No. So, Good information, uh, Steve, on this. And I would uh, refer people also to your article on Fire Trainers uh, Association. And I will put that in the link to the show notes. And here we've got a question that we've been asking all our guests uh, this season. Can you name an influential mentor who's helped to get to where you where you are today? Uh, I'm going to have to say, and I'll tell you what, I've trained under some great guys, but the person that has had the most influence over me and continues to do so is going to be range masters, Tom Gibbons. He's influenced quite a few people. That's not the first time he's been a mentor to somebody on the, on the podcast. Uh, he is just a, he, he's, he's literally a national treasure and, uh, and I encourage people train under Tom now you know, Tom, uh, I believe Tom is 70 now. Yeah. And so he's, he's, not getting younger. he's not going to be able to do this forever. And, uh, now is the time. And it, one of the, my, my proudest accomplishments is that, uh, my wife has trained under him. Our daughter has trained under him. And now my grandson 
I uh, took the Range Master Firearms Instructor course uh, in November of 2021, and uh, he's trained under him, and he's currently in basic training in the Army right now uh, with the intention of trying to go for uh, and, and become a Special Forces. And so this, uh, he's uh, impacted my whole family, and I, just, I cannot say enough good things, and uh, I'm going to train under Tom again in 2023. Sounds like a great goal there. And I keep trying to find a, a course close enough to me that I can make it without breaking the bank on travel, uh, taking one of Tom's uh, that courses. Is, that is the problem. That yep. is the problem. <laughs> You're, you've got a little bit local or a little bit easier in that, you know, he comes down to Dallas or TACCON uh, once a year. Uh, so that makes it. Well, he uh, does. And I'm actually uh, hosting him out at the, uh, the, the 5.0, the CCW safe range in uh, 2023 so maybe you can come down for that one hey that might be a possibility for that that sounds good i'm giving you plenty of advance notice okay <laughs> okay we just got to figure out the dates now see how they look on the calendar yeah well hey steve where can people find more information about you and maybe some classes that you're teaching uh probably the best thing would be to go to our website uh my group is called palisade training group llc uh, I own uh, that company along with my partners, Guy Schnitzler and Alan McBee. The website address is uh, ptgtrainingllc.com. And uh, if they want to uh, friend me on Facebook, uh, many of the articles that I write for both the Farm Trainers Association and CCW Safe. Uh, I post those on Facebook when those are published. So uh, typically there's an article by me that's probably posted, I would say uh, probably two or three times a month. I mean, I was looking at the number of articles that I've written and I've been writing for them on a weekly basis now since, um, oh my gosh, 2019. So I've got a lot of articles out there. Some are good and some of them are like, uh, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. So I, <laughs> I'm not saying everything I put out there is going to be just a pearl. Well, there's a lot of good information out there to say the least. I've read, read a lot of your content, Stephen. It does have a lot of pearls of uh, wisdom, gold nuggets in them. Well, I appreciate that, Rob. Um, well, thanks for your time to, tonight, uh, Steve. And we look forward to uh, talking to you in the future. Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you, Rob. That's a wrap for this episode. And I hope you found it educational. Leave us a feedback on our website at farmtrainerpodcast.com, where you can also search all our previous episodes to find one that will help you. Visit our sponsor, especially the Farm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. Subscribe to the other concealedcarry.com podcast and share this episode with your friends on social media. Do you have a suggestion for an episode or someone you'd like to have us on as a guest? Email me at FTP at concealedcarry.com. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the second amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone.
ConcealedCarry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.